I'm going to dismiss the children to their class at this time. They can go over there and worship Jesus some more. Amen. Amen. Also, if you don't have a handout for Connect, please raise your hand so the ushers know that you need a handout, maybe a pen, and they'll come to you and get you a handout and a pen. Um, connecting. Uh, everybody been connecting? We started back up. We're about two weeks in. I just want to encourage you to continue to connect, continue to learn to love your neighbors. If you can't love the body of Christ, you can't love your neighbors, all right? So um, get into connect, get into community with one another, and uh, get to know each other intimately, and um, just enjoy connecting, amen? If you guys want to be dismissed down here, they're going to play a, um, a connect promo video for us. You guys... opportunity to anyone who participates and it is from these relationships that we receive and offer accountability and encouragement one to another I feel like that has helped me in my walk with Christ um, I feel more encouraged after every meeting I feel encouraged that I need to read my Bible more I feel encouraged to build that relationship with Christ more um, and it also challenges me it challenges me to um, share the gospel. Um, I fall short all the time. Family, really, I think is, is the main thing. Because um, everybody there pretty much either has gone through something you're doing or is going through something you're experiencing. So as a whole, I think Connect Me means family and support. It helps me grow by uh, meeting with my sisters and brothers and being able to be encouraged and sharpened and even corrected and uh, knowing that they're gonna support me and love me through my ups and downs and, and I can count on getting a call or a text because I met them in Connect or I met them at church and we connected <laughs> at Connect. The reason why you should be part of a Connect group is because you're gonna grow so much more with your brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, so um, I think we got one more over here, John. Get connected. Um, introduction to this message is I want to talk about the main theme of the book of John. Uh, the main theme of the book of John is to believe. That's what John's pretty much gearing us to, believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And that's where our scripture memory verse is, uh, John chapter 20, verse 31. And I'll say it, and then we could all say it together a few times. But it says, uh, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John chapter 20 and verse 31, now, all together. You ready? But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John chapter 20, verse 31. Again, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John chapter 20 and verse 31. One more time. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John chapter 20 and verse 31. Amen. So hopefully you guys are letting that sink down into your hearts. Um, we're going to read from the text, John chapter 12, verses 12 through 36. And right now we'll read through verse 22. Scripture says, and you got to say so? so. Starting at verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. 
So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. Verse 19, so the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Verse 20, now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew went and told Jesus. Heavenly Father, you are good, you are gracious, you are kind, and we love you, Lord. Father, I am very honored to be here before you and your church I pray that you would use me to bring glory to your name, to bring edification to your saints. And Lord, I pray that you would use me to bring the gospel to the hearts of every individual that is in here today, Lord. Some unto salvation, Lord, and some unto encouragement. I just pray that you would be honored. Father, we thank you for your word, and we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, we get a glimpse here. Actually, let's go ahead and go to the sermon outline. The title of the message today is More Than Just a Man. Today in our sermon series, The Real Jesus, we get a glimpse of the glory of God through the life of Jesus. Since in the Garden of Eden and the fall of humanity, all of creation has awaited for the fulfillment of God's promise to defeat sin and death and for him to execute his rescue plan. Our text today, brings, brings, <clears throat> our text today begins to pull back the curtain of the glory of Jesus as the coming Messiah promised a deliverer of the Jewish nation. So... Uh, we, we're going to get a glimpse today of who Jesus is, because that's the most important question that you have to answer um, in your life, and when you stand before him, is who do you say that he is? Who is he to you? And uh, today we'll get a little bit of a glimpse of that. The events we'll cover in our text today are on what Christian tradition deems Palm Sunday, the day after the Passover feast. The waving of the palm branches was symbolic to victory over the enemy. And the people may have believed that Jesus was going to bring them, the Israelite nation, victory over political or national enemy, the Romans. However, it is long after this five days that we see the same crowds calling for the release of a notorious criminal, Barabbas, and the crucifixion of the innocent God-man, Jesus. So we're going to close out the text today with, speaking, with Jesus speaking of his death and resurrection to the crowds and God the Father speaking audibly from heaven for the benefit of the crowds so that they might believe. Again, this refers us back to John 20 and verse 31, that these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believe in you may have life in his name. So that's what John's desire is, is that people would believe unto salvation on who Jesus is. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, which without a doubt showed that he was not an ordinary man, yet still many did not realize who he really was, God in flesh. So a little bit of context on this triumphant entry uh, into Jerusalem. Um, Bishop covered it last week. Um, Jesus went to uh, Bethany. He, was, um, he had just raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus was uh, dead for a few days, and he cared deeply for the family. He was able to go there, and he purposely waited under the will of God so that it could be without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus did just, just did something that was absolutely amazing. It was supernatural. It hadn't been done before, and it can't be done by anyone but God. So this was a revelation. This was a revealing of God not being just a man, Jesus not being just a man. And as he went there, he uh, raised Lazarus from the dead, and people were amazed, and people started, you can imagine if you were there, if you seen somebody raise somebody from the dead, you wouldn't be able to shut up about it. You would be talking. You'd be talking to your neighbors and your friends and, you know, man, this, this Jesus, you know, do you, do you know what he just did? You know, you think you talk a lot about, you know, sports or you think you talk a lot about your children. You think you talk a lot about whatever's important to you. If you were to see something like this, if you were to witness something like this, you wouldn't be able to keep your mouth shut about it. You would be out there telling everybody. And that's what people were doing. People were amazed. So they were letting everyone else know about the amazement, the awe factor that they just experienced in seeing Lazarus. 
raised from the dead. And then in gratitude, you know, because he hid himself because the Pharisees were ready to, you know, the Pharisees were getting fired up. You know, they, they, were, they were losing the glory. You know, the religious jealousy was seeking it, seeping in, and they weren't being glorified. Um, so they felt threatened by Jesus because the people were following Jesus. So they were plotting to kill him. And then he goes to, um, to Mary and Martha's house. They have a, a dinner for him. And as Bishop covered again last week, this is where the anointing took place. Or Mary, she, she emptied out the, the, the one year's wages worth of, worth of this fragrant oil and, and put it upon his feet and cleaned his feet with it and, 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 and dried it with her hair. And the significance behind this in our text today is that the custom was whenever you were coming for Passover, which was the Day of Atonement, it was the day that they were remembering what happened in the book of Exodus. Maybe you remember that. In the book of Exodus, whenever God was going to kill the firstborn of, of all the people in Egypt, he told the children of Israel, you kill the lamb and you put the blood on your doorpost so that whenever the angel of death comes at night, it's going to pass over your house so that your firstborn doesn't die. So this is what they celebrated. This is what they still celebrate today in the Judaism um, religion. So this day of Passover, what they did was they anointed this lamb about four days before um, they were actually going to slaughter the lamb to cover their sins. So this anointing that Mary did was prophetic in the sense of Jesus was the sacrificial lamb that was being anointed and set aside for the atonement of the sins of, you, of, of, of his sheep forevermore, of people like you and me. So he's there, he eats dinner, and um, he, he gets his feet anointed and so forth, and um, people are starting to, the, the Pharisees are plotting to kill Lazarus now, because Lazarus is starting to chatter. People are talking too much about Lazarus now, so I'm, I'm going to kill him too. So um, this is kind of where we're at in, in our text today. So whenever he comes in, and th John's the only one that doesn't talk about the instructions to go get the donkey, the instructions to go get the colt, but it's talked about in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and um, the significance behind that was he was going to come in, in humility into Jerusalem as the king, as the Messiah. And the people, they didn't know if Jesus was coming or not. But whenever they heard that he was, they had the palm branches. So they started, they started waving the palm leaves. And there's a significance behind that because the palm leaves represented victory or triumph. And this, is, this was symbolic to them saying, he has the victory. He's going to bring us the victory. This Jesus is amazing. He raises people from the dead. He heals the blind. He heals the sick. He's going to give us victory. So they're waving the palm branches, and then they're crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And this is symbolic. This is what the doors are quoting, Psalms 118, and saying, you're the salvation for us, for Israel. You're our salvation. But see, I think that many of them didn't really get that he was God in flesh, the salvation of the people, of humanity, to be reconciled back to God. I think what they were looking forward to was the Romans. We don't like the Romans. We want to be saved from the Romans. We want you to give us victory over the Romans. You, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Save the nation. Save the people. Save us. And that's what they were looking forward to, and that's what they were chanting, and that's what they were calling out to Jesus for. But one thing they did was they recognized that he was more than just a man. Maybe they got the... Who, what he was king over and what he was bringing them salvation over but they knew that he was more than just a man so as they're waving these palm leaves and they're crying out Hosanna recognizing that he's more than just a man the disciples if you follow further on into the text the disciples as they're seeing this they're witnessing this taking place you got Jesus coming on the donkey and his disciples the scripture says in verse 16 that they didn't understand these things at first but whenever Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. So as they were getting out, as they were going to get the donkey, and Jesus is like, look, you go get the donkey. It's, it's tied up over there. If they ask you why you're, why you're taking the donkey or the colt, then let them know that your Lord needs it. So as they were doing that, they didn't know they were being used to fulfill prophecy. Not at the time. They weren't recollecting. Not that they didn't know the scriptures. They just weren't connecting the dots. You see, a lot of us are used every day. Matter of fact, I'm going to back that up say all of us are used every day in God's sovereign plan. We don't know how we're being used, 
But we need to be obedient like the disciples were obedient to do what Jesus called them to do. Whatever it is that you're called to do in your workplace, at school, with your family, in your church, in your neighborhood, in your community, to your husband, to your wife, to your children, whatever you're called to do, you need to make sure that you're doing it because God is using you as a vessel to continue to fulfill his plan. And it's great to be used by God. That is something for us to rejoice about. We want to be included in God's plan for him to bring his glory to pass. So as they were, as they were um, the disciples didn't really realize that they were being used at the time. But nonetheless, they knew because of everything that Jesus had done in his ministry. Again, back to the healing of the blind, back to all of the different miracles that Jesus had did. They realized that Jesus was not just a man. They realized that he was more than a man. And the Greeks, the Gentiles, if you go further on into verse, um, verses, verse 20. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. These are the non-Jewish Gentiles that came to Jerusalem to worship at the festival. The festival was a big deal. So they were coming to worship and they were coming to praise God, but they were also hearing all that chatter. They were hearing, they said, man, this guy really raised one from the dead. I want to go meet him. I, I want to meet this Jesus who's raising people from the dead. Matter of fact, I want to see Lazarus too, because that, be, that would be cool too, right? Like, man, Lazarus, you were dead. You were really dead? I need to talk to you. You know, what happened? Like... <laughs> Did you, did you go see the light, you know? Did you, you know, you're going to be curious about what's going on with Lazarus. So they were coming, but they were more intrigued with the one who raised Lazarus from the dead. So they were asking um, Philip and Andrew. And, and when I was studying this, I, Philip and Andrew are the only ones that have, their name is the only one that has a Greek um, etymology, like a Greek foundation. I don't know if that's important or not, but I figured I'd share it with you because the Greeks went to them and they're the only ones that had the Greek name. So, but... Um, so the Greeks, they were intrigued with all of this, so they wanted to meet Jesus too. But I want you to think of the difficulty of the context of the time to understand who Jesus was. Like, we have the whole story. We have the Pauline epistles, the letters that were written to the churches. We have the book of Revelation. We have the full canonized scripture. So we, we, we know the end of the story. We know who Jesus is. We understand the ministry. We understand... Um, the struggles that were in the church and Paul, what, you know, what he was communicating to the church to encourage them about Christ and about salvation and about redemption and about long suffering and perseverance. We understand all that. But back then, they didn't have, all they had was the Old Testament. They had all these prophecies, but it was hard for them to really see that, man, this is God in flesh. This is, this is Jesus. Jesus is God. It was hard for them to see that. There wasn't no resurrected Christ at the time whenever, whenever this was taking place. So understanding who Jesus could only be a revelation given to anyone, to any one man or woman for that matter, from God himself. And we can see in Matthew 16 where Jesus is talking to Simon Peter and he tells him, you know, who do, you, who do people say that I am? And he's talking to the disciples and Simon Peter's like, blessed are you. Or, or he says, but you, <clears throat> I'm sorry, he says, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus tells him. Blessed are you, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So my question to you is, who do you say that Jesus is? Do you say that he's God? Is he your redeemer? Is he your sanctifier? Is he your salvation? Is he your banner of victory over sin? These are, this is a very important question that, that we really have to ask ourselves on a daily basis as we continue throughout our life, as we continue throughout our daily routine and everything that we're doing, is who is Jesus to us? And think about it. Does your lifestyle reflect your answer? Does your decisions reflect your answer? Do your convictions reflect your answer? Do your choices reflect your answer? Does your commitments reflect your answer? Because it's easy to say, I'm sorry, but are you really sorry? It's easy to say Jesus is God, but is he really God to you? It's easy to say Jesus is my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my Redeemer. He's my Sanctifier, but is he really to you? And he knows the truth, so you can't hide from him. You may be able to hide from people like me or Bishop or your people in your community group, but you can't hide from Jesus, and you can't hide from God, and Jesus is God, so don't try to hide from him. You're going to lose in that game of hide and seek, I promise. So Jesus... Jesus did not speak like any other man. 
And I'm sorry, these are the, these are the points. Uh, you guys missed the first point. <laughs> Did he get it? Did he put it up? Oh, okay. Well, back, let's, back, let's back up a little bit just so you guys can write. Point one, pe- people around Jesus recognized that he was more than just a man. And that was uh, from verses 13 through 22 is, is where I, I went over with that. Man, these things are on jack. There we go. All right. So you guys got that? Everybody good? Yes? Is that unanimous? Perfect. Point two, Jesus did not speak like any other man. I'm going to read from verses 23 through 34. Scripture says, And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world, and now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I will, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? It's interesting because Philip and the Greeks, they just want to see Jesus. they like, man, you just raised Lazarus from the dead. I got I to gotta see you. So they go to Philip and Andrew, and Andrew and Philip go to Jesus, and Jesus says, all of this. He's <laughs> like, like, man, like, they want to see you. And then he just, that's his reply. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So Jesus was letting him know, look, my time is up. This was the last of his public ministry. And he lets him know that if a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if, when it dies, it bears much fruit. So think about this. And he goes on to talk about if you desire to save your life here, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for his name's sake, you'll, save it in eternal, you'll, 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 you'll have it in eternal life. So all the things that we try to hold on to, church, all the things that we gear that are important. Minister Juan, we were talking at the Bible study um, yesterday, and um, he he'd mentioned a video that he'd watched, and it fits perfectly here, so I'm going to use it, is... Um, I think it's a, a Francis Chan um, video study or something like that. But Francis Chan was talking about how you have this you have this long rope, and it was a visual aid illustration. So you get this long rope, and at the very end of it, it's painted red. It's got a little bit of red on it, about like this much. And it's long rope, this never-ending rope. And what he was saying was that people just and and and, and your walk with Christ or in life in general. People get so caught up on that little end that's red, and they don't think about any of the rest of the rope. That's that's keep you can keep pulling. It's just an eternal rope. You're so caught up on that one little thing. In our life, in our walk, are we overly concerned about things that really don't matter? Are we trying to keep the cars? Are we trying to keep the houses? Are we trying to keep up, keep up with the Joneses? Are we trying to have status quo? Are we trying to get recognition from the world? Are we trying to be liked by everybody? What is our goal in life? What are we doing as we wake up daily and go about our daily routine? Are we really concerned with the things that are eternal and hold eternal weight? Or are we concerned with things that are trivial and things that are not important and things that you ain't taking with you to the other side? I mean, think about that. This, this long rope, you all come, oh man, look at this red spot right here. Look at this red spot. Well, what about the rest of the rope in life? Think about that. Let's live for eternity. Live for the kingdom of God. That's why we've been redeemed from destruction. That's why we've been called out of darkness. We've been called out of darkness so that we can walk with Jesus and bringing people 
to meet Jesus. And we do that by sharing the gospel. So as you go through your daily planning, as you go through your daily routine, we talk about self-discipline. We talk about uh, being faithful to God. We talk about being committed. We talk about having your prayer time, your devotion time. Really have it. Like, that's the stuff you're taking with you into eternity. That's the virtue that you gain, the relationship you have with God, the things that you're doing in his name, the things that you're doing that are actual works of the Father. All this other stuff is passing away. I'm not telling you to go extreme, don't have a 401k account, don't have any type of bank account, don't have any type of plans, any type of future. You know, that's not what the Bible teaches neither, and that's not what I'm telling you. But what I am telling you is whenever you look at your life unfold, you shouldn't have this consummation of the things of this world. You shouldn't be consumed with the things of this world that you can't take with you to heaven. And the point here is Jesus is saying, look, if you desire to save your life here, you're going to lose it. If you're trying to have the best life now, if you're just trying to have your life special here, you're trying to have all of the accolades and privileges here, if you're trying to meet the Joneses, so that is what's going to cause you to lose your life when you stand before him and say, depart from me, I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. You were selfish, you were self-righteous, you were dependent upon yourself, you were not dependent upon me. You didn't tell anybody about me because you were scared they were going to reject you because you were concerned with how they would think about you. You were ashamed of me there, I'm ashamed of you here. I'm rejecting you like you rejected me. We can't, be, we can't exempt ourselves from that, church. So when Jesus is talking about dying, it's an encouragement. It's an encouragement because you think, oh, man, I don't want to die to myself. I don't want you know, to give this up. I don't want to give that up. It's for the glory of God. It's for the kingdom of God. It's not about you. It's about your neighbor not burning in hell. It's about your family members not burning in hell. It's about your children not burning in hell. You think that they earn salvation through your works? It don't work like that. It's an individual relationship. It's an individual relationship that you have with Jesus. Lose your life here. That small life, Manuel, he blessed me too. He, 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 in the same conversation, he wrote, he said, I'm a visual person. So he wrote out this little bitty box, a square, it's real tiny. And he wrote like 10, 30, 80. So, you know, some people, they'll live to their 10, and, and God may call them home. Some people 30, some people 80. You know, your lifespan is, is not going to be more than 120, probably. I mean, I think, there's, I think the scriptures say something about 120, 125, or something like that. It's not going to be that long, all right? That ain't a long time. You're a vapor in the wind. You're a flower quickly fading. You're here today and gone tomorrow. That's just the way it is. Um, so he drew this box, and he wrote 10, 10, 30, 80, and then he drew another box, still small, but like index card size compared to this little tiny one that was over here. It seemed pretty big. And he wrote 1, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, all the way down. He was writing small, too, so a lot of zeros. Like, they don't make a number that big, not even the government's debt. I mean, it is crazy, all right? But whenever he was, whenever he was writing that, it's like, man, like, how can I be so consumed with the 103080 and not with eternity? You know, and that's something that we really, really need to think about because that's exactly what Jesus is talking about when he's telling them, look, you want to meet me because I raised Lazarus? I did that for you. That was a work done so that you would believe, so that you would have faith that I am the son of God, that I am the redeemer, that I am the Messiah, not the one that's going to rescue you and give you victory over the Romans, but I'm going to give you victory over sin and death once and for all. That's who Jesus is, and that's what Jesus has done, and he's telling you, live for me. Lose your life for me. Lay it all down for me, because if you die to yourself, just like that grain of wheat, it's going to bear much fruit. And whenever we're dying to ourselves, we're going to see God use us to bring glory to himself. We're going to see God use us when we're on our knees and in prayer and praying for our family members, praying for our neighbors. We're going to see God do things in their lives. And it's not that we get credit for that, but man, that's how God works. God orchestrates it like that. God, you know, he uses the prayers of the righteous and we're made righteous through Jesus Christ. So um, I encourage you all to, to really contemplate that. You know, I mean, I've had to, I've had to really, you know, this, this is a tough week for me um, because, man, it's just, it's just tough, you know, whenever you're dealing with scheduling and, and, and you already lack self-discipline and you already lack, you know what I mean, consistency, the things you know you should be doing. So finding time to do everything was just very, very tough. And I had a lot of late nights and, and a lot of frustration 
And I'm like, God, just, I just want to die to myself. I just want to be used by you, Lord. I want people to know who you are, you know? And I just want to be sold out for his glory. I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to live so that people can think much of me. I want to live so that people know that Jesus is God, amen, and that he's redeemed my life from destruction. And so that's how I tried to, 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 to run my life this week when it was, it was just crazy. So keep praying for me, please. Um, so Jesus makes mention of the grain of wheat dying, <clears throat> and then um, he also makes mention that one must follow him if they're going to serve him, and his servants will be honored by God the Father. Who wants to be honored by God the Father? Amen. So you could judge that. Are you following Christ? Are you following Christ? It's easy to get caught up in the things of this world, church. It's very easy. It's very easy to get caught up being entertained the same way the world is entertained, uh, being consumed by the things that this world is consumed by. It's very, very easy, but we should be different because we've been blood-bought, and we don't belong to ourselves. The Scripture says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You've been bought at a price. Remember the lamb that was anointed? The Paschal Lamb, Jesus, sacrificed for us. That was the price that he bought us. He bought us at that price. So live for him because he owns you. Jesus speaks directly to the Father in heaven, and he responds with an audible voice. This is the third time that God spoke audibly to confirm Jesus' identity. He did it at the baptism, the transfiguration, and he did it here. I mean, you want to talk about the blindedness of people? Like God speaking in the sky, and they're like, oh, that was thunder. Or, or, or that was an angel. Like, like, man, no, God is speaking to Jesus. Like, if that don't make you fall to your knees and repent, then I don't know what will. But God was speaking, and he was confirming that Jesus is not just another man. He's more than just another man. And then Jesus speaks of his death in verse 32. He says, and when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw people to myself. That lifted up is symbolic of the crucifixion. And they put him on the cross on the ground. They lift him up. That's what he was talking about. And the people caught it because that's what it meant back then. You, you know, if you're lifted up, you know, you're talking about being crucified. So he said, so the people said, in verse 34, We've heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So now they're getting it. Now they're like, wait a minute, you're going to die? I thought you were going to be like palm tree. You're, you're our victory. Like, like the Romans are still here. You can't die yet. So that, now, now they're starting to get what Jesus is saying. And now this unbelief is starting to settle in. Because why? Because they were leaning on their own understanding. They were not acknowledging Christ in all of their ways. And he wasn't directing their paths. They had their own agenda. They wanted to be rescued from the Romans. They didn't recognize that they needed a better rescue, a deeper rescue. They needed to be rescued from their own sin and death and their separation from God the Father. And then in verse 35 and 36, this is the third point. You guys should write this down. Jesus has grace upon the multitude to again call them to walk in the light. And this is how he ends his public ministry. Jesus has grace upon the multitude to again call them to walk in the light. And this is really reflective upon not being more than just a man. Because it's tough. Like, like Moses, he didn't get into the promised land because he was dealing with the knuckleheads of the people. Like, like sometimes it's hard to be gracious, that great. Like I just told you, but I'm going to tell you again lovingly and gently and kindly. and You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm going to call you still, even though I already called you. So again... He's, he's letting them know in verse 35 and 36, the light is among you for a little while longer. And this is a response to them being like, who's the son of man? Like this is, the, this is a response to their doubt. This is a response to their own agenda. The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. So this was an invitation to the people again. And this was grace. And he knows that many still do not believe. If you go back to verse 30 and 31, um, it's talking about 
the voice, the, he says, the voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now it's the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. So he, he recognizes that, man, there's still a need for more miracles. There's still a need for more, you know, faith. People are still not believing. Even after I raised Lazarus from the dead, even after God spoke and confirmed it in the, in, in, in the, in the, in the sky, people still don't believe that I am the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. People still weren't getting it, and he knew that. So he makes his last appeal to them graciously, and he calls them out of darkness and into the light. And he's recognizing, again, that today is the day of salvation. And that's for you and me, church. That's for your neighbor. We had a death in the family um, recently, and I think it was the same day your, your, your grandson was born. That's, and it makes, always makes me think, like, man, God takes and he gives, and it's just the life cycle, you know. But it was an unexpected death. It's, and when your time is up, it's up. Today's the day of salvation. Think of the people that you love that you know don't love Jesus. Just think about them. And yeah, I don't want you, you know, I don't, I don't want you to beat yourself up or I don't want you to, you know, be on this, you know, unhealthy uh, emotional cycle, so to speak, of, man, they're not saved. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? But, and the reason why I don't, because salvation is the work of God. And that's what the scriptures teach. But, Man, do you really love them? Are you praying for them? Because God hears your prayers, and the Spirit of God is with them. Amen. No matter where they're at and how they're walking, the Spirit of God is with them. Amen. So are you praying for them? Are you in that war room? Are you in your prayer closet going to battle in the spirit realm for these people that you say you love that you know don't love Jesus? Because today is the day of salvation. Whenever you do have the opportunity, are y'all just kicking it, just, just kind of just kicking it, kind of, just doing what they do, or, or are you actually separated? Are you set aside a little bit? Do they recognize that, man, you know what? He really does love Jesus, and, and we talk about it. We talk about spiritual things when he's around. You know, there's, there's a difference in the conversation because you really care about what's taking place in their life, and you really want them to be saved. Or are you ashamed of the gospel? Or are you fearful of rejection? Or are you concerned more about what they think of you than you do about their salvation? Today's the day of salvation. Jesus knew it, and that's why he gave that public invite again to these people. This is the public invite that we need to be given to our neighbors, our friends, our family, our coworkers on a daily basis. This is why we've been redeemed from destruction. This is why we've been called out of darkness, church. We're not called out of darkness just so that we can enter into heaven and sing kumbaya and it's all good. It's, we've been called out of darkness to be ministers of reconciliation, to be partners with God, to be servants of God, to be slaves of obedience, producing righteousness. I read a quote the other day. It said somewhere along the line. Let me see if I can remember this thing because I messed it up last time I tried to quote it. It said, the greatest selfishness that one can achieve is to be content to go to heaven by yourself. Are you guys happy to go to heaven by yourself? Remember, it's easy to answer yes. It's easy to answer no. But do your actions show it? Does your lifestyle show it? Do your daily plans reflect your answer to that question? Are you content to go to heaven by yourself? Closing comments. We have the word of God for us to understand who God is the triune God, who is three in one. We can understand. We know that God is more than just a man. We don't have to, uh, we don't have to be lost in that regards. If God's redeemed your life from destruction, he's called you out of darkness, so he has already adopted you as a child of his. He's given you the understanding that Jesus is God. He's the way to me. He's my salvation. He's my banner of victory over sin and death. He's given you that understanding. Live your life today like it's your last day. We're prone to wait to the last minute or to learn the hard way and many different things that we do. And that's costly at times and it can hinder us from successes. We can't let that bad ha habit of procrastination be the hindrance in our relationships. <clears throat> As, look, I I'm pointing to myself in this. 
I wait to the last minute on a lot of things. If you don't know when you're going to die, you can't wait to the last minute. You just can't. You have to live every day like it's your last day. You have to cherish every minute and every moment that you have to bring God glory. You have to cherish every moment you have to take as many people with you as you can into the kingdom of God. And you do that by sharing the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. You do it. You speak it. You talk it. You walk it. You're the light in the world. You're the salt to the world. So as you trust in God, as you plan your daily routine, think about that. Live your life. Don't procrastinate. Live your life like this is the last opportunity you'll have to bring glory and honor to God. One of the things that's like frightening to me, and I don't know why, maybe just, y'all just need to pray for me. <clears throat> I don't want to get in my deathbed and be in the hospital. I'm old. Let's say I die of old age. And I don't, I don't want to be there and be like, and look back at anything I did, the way, I, you know, the way that I've, I've been a husband, the way that I've been a, um, a fellow brother in Christ, the way that I've been a father, the way that I've operated in my, in, in my workplace, you know, the way that I was a son, a brother, and the natural. I mean, I don't want to look back and have regrets. I don't want to look back and be like, man, you know, I, sh- I just wish I would have done this. I wish I would have did that. I w- I, you know, if I was only more vocal about the gospel, you know, if I was only, you know, you know, I, I could have told them about it. And some of you have already experienced that. Some of you experienced people that you love that died around you that you never talked to about Jesus. So I don't, I, don't, I don't want that to happen to me, and I'm sure you guys don't want it to happen to yourself, so don't procrastinate. And the curtain is no longer erected, blocking our view of God's plan for salvation. It is clear to us that from the beginning, God has had a plan uh, to redeem his bride from destruction and free us, his bride, <clears throat> from the bondage of sin and the salvation. So that brings me to the gospel. From birth... And by nature, we understand that we are children of wrath, enemies of God, separated from him. Born into sin, we sin in thought, word, and deed. Think about that. Thought, word, deed, thought, word, deed. We have sins that we don't like anyone to know about. There are our secret sins that we just want to deal with, and we just want God to deal with us on, and we're not going to do it anymore. Oh, man, I just did it again. Oh, we're not going to do it anymore. And we're, we have those sins. We sin by omission and commission. There's things that we know that we should do that we don't do. That's a sin of omission. And commission. We know we shouldn't do that, but we're doing it anyways. We have a sinful nature, which is why we've needed to be redeemed. There's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. You can't go to church enough. You can't pray enough. You can't read enough. You can't stay away from enough. There's nothing that you can do to save yourself in that regards because your good works is like filthy rags. It's not going to redeem your life from destruction. It's going to fall short of the glory of God, which is what the scriptures say. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you to don't do good things. So we need to do good things. But you can't depend on those good things to bring you salvation. You can't depend on those good things to bring you into a right standing with God. So that's the bad news. It's bad news, but if you get it, it's good news. Because you don't want to go through your life depending on your good works and then getting up there and hearing, depart from it never do you, worker of iniquity. What? I was casting out demons. I was dancing in the church. I was doing, I was, what do you mean you never knew me? So it's good that you get it, if you get it. Because you won't point to your good works. When you stand before God, it's, I don't deserve to enter into your kingdom, but you died for me. You sent your son to die for me because you love me first. I belong to you. I'm your sheep because you love me first. And I love you back. I'm just grateful I'm here right now before you. I just can't wait to get into the gate. Can you, can you open the gate, God? Like, you know, <laughs> it's right there, you know? So, the, so the, the bad news could actually be good news if you get it. And then we go to the good news. And it's just that, the image that I just gave you, that God 
displayed his love to us on the cross. And I know it's hard to get sometimes because you think you're like, okay, cross, Jesus, bloody, beaten, abused, can't even recognize who he is, crown of thorns. That's, that's not very attractive. That's not something that I want my kid to go through. That's not something that I want anyone to go through. But the Bible says that God demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were his enemies, he died for us and is talking about the cross. Because what that cross was, was substitutionary atonement. Big terms, I'll break it down real quick. Jesus was the lamb that was to be sacrificed so that God could pass over your sins like he did in Exodus. So that you would not be condemned along with the world. Jesus died on the cross as the perfect spotless lamb of God. And when his blood was shed, he redeemed our lives from destruction. He calls us out of darkness to believe in that finished work on the cross. He calls us out of darkness to belong to him. And that's a display of his love towards us. What Jesus did for us, no one else could do. What Jesus did for us was absolutely necessary. It was essential. If Jesus didn't do it, nobody would enter into the kingdom of God. Not you, not me, not your uncle, not your grandmother, not your children. Jesus is the God-man. God sent his son, Jesus the God-man. He left his throne, took on flesh, born of a virgin, lived the perfect life, became the second Adam. The first Adam was tempted and he fell and denied God, rebelled against God. Jesus, tempted in the desert, he didn't fail. He rejected the enemy and he knew what he was doing and he followed the plan and he died for you and he died for me so that we could be restored into fellowship with God. You say you believe it, church. Does your life reflect it? If he is your Lord, does your life reflect it? If he is your God, if he is your Savior, if he is your Redeemer, if he is your Sanctifier, does your life reflect it? And it should. And that's good news because he loved us first and we can love him back. And the scripture says that this is how people will know that you are a disciple of God by the way that you love one another. So grade yourself. Ask yourself these questions. Am I loving my neighbor? Am I loving my family? Do you love your spouse? Does it show? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It doesn't parade in itself. It bears no record of wrong. It believes all things. It hopes all things. Love, according to God's definition. Are you loving your spouse? Are you loving your, your children? Are you loving your neighbors? Are you loving your enemies? Because you were an enemy of God and he loved you. That's the gospel, church. And if we get it, we have to live it. And we can't shut up because there's a big fire. I talked to David Hernandez today whenever he was dropping off Eli. He said he fought a fire for seven and a half hours last night. He's a fireman. Our call is to fight a fire for the rest of our life here. To go around to people sharing the gospel, this precious, beautiful gospel that is the power of God unto salvation and watching them who are on fire and distinguishing that fire with the gospel. Whenever I think about me standing before God, and I don't believe this is gonna happen, but it's a good picture. When I think about standing before God, and I've said this before, so if it's redundant, I apologize, but I think it fits. When I stand before God, if I were to see a friend of mine or a neighbor, and they were on this side, and I was on this side, and I was going to enter into the kingdom of God, at least I hope, and this gentleman here was not going to enter the kingdom of God, and he would look at me and say, man, why didn't you never tell me? I can only have two answers that fit. I really didn't believe. I didn't believe. I ain't got nothing to share with you. I don't believe that Jesus is God. That wouldn't be my answer. But my second answer that could, that could only be this, the other possible answer, if you guys can think of one, let me know because I've been using this analogy and I'd feel bad if there's another answer. But the second answer was, I didn't love you enough. Because there's no greater love than for you to share the gospel with somebody. 
Yes, people won't want you to talk to them. Yes, people are gonna tell you to shut up. I mean, we were, we were at Church Street. I mean, there's one guy out there who got punched in the face. I mean, it is hostile to the gospel. It is hostile. Shut up, don't shove it down my throat. Yeah, 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 yeah. God ain't real. You believe in fairy tales. I mean, it's, it's, it's hostile out there when you're sharing the gospel. People don't want, you know, and, and, you, and you, don't want to, you don't want to experience that, so you get what? Fearful, selfish, insecure. But their soul's more important, and you don't want to tell them, I didn't love you enough. I didn't love you enough. I was content to go to heaven by myself. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, God, and, and we're so grateful that you loved us first. We're thankful for that we have the opportunity to serve you, Lord. And Father, we know that we fall short, Lord, and we hate that. I hate that, God. I don't want to fall short. I want to bring honor and glory to your name in everything that I do. Father, I want to reflect your image. I want to be an image bearer of you, Lord. And Lord, I know that I need your grace. I need your conviction. I need your help with self-discipline. I need your help with motivation, Lord. I need your help with my fears and my doubts. Father, I'm sure that my brothers and sisters have their own things that they really need your help with, God. And Lord, we want to be one united, collected body of Christ that brings honor to you, Lord. So God, I just pray that you would help them. Whatever their ailments are, Lord God, whatever their sins are, Lord, whatever their shortcomings are, my God, whatever that they do that offends you, Lord God, or brings dishonor to your name, Lord, pray that you would help them with that. I pray that you would encourage them through that. I pray that you would draw them to your word. I pray that you would draw them to prayer. And I pray that you would encourage them, Spirit of God. Remind them that you love them. Remind them who they are in Christ. Remind them of the victory that you paid on the cross that took us from being slaves to sin to being slaves to obedience. Remind them of Hosanna, 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 the King of Israel, the Lord. You are our victory. And we wave palm trees at you, Lord, because we know that you defeated sin and death, Lord. You didn't just release us from bondage over a natural kingdom, Lord, but you distinguished the kingdom of the enemy of darkness, God. And you redeemed our lives from destruction. And we love you, Lord. And we want to be like you. I thank you for the time that we've had this morning. And I pray this in the name of our good Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.